From the depths of the sea, back to the block. Snoop Doggy Dog, Corky is the thug, the doc. Went solo on that ass, but it's still the same. Long Beach is the spot where I serve my cane. Follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, but you bet not slip. Cause nine triz ain't the gizzard for me to quiz out my grip. So I ain't holding nothing back. And once again, I Week 7, DFS MVP, alongside the director of DFS for 4 for 4. Dot com. TJ Hernandez. My name is Holden Kushner, and you just heard Who Am I? What's my name? Parentheses from Snoop Doggy Dogs Doggy Style in 1993. Couple things to let you know about this, real quick, real quick. All right. Back when Best Buy had a bunch of stores, me and my college roommate camped out in front of Best Buy at 11 o'clock at night. And we got uh, our our Snoop Doggy Dog debut CD at around twelve fifteen that night. We waited in line for about an hour and fifteen minutes. It was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful album. Gin and Juice to this day, one of my favorite songs. So I actually know some of the music once in a while that you're going to play. If uh, if you're going to ever get drunk and do karaoke, my my kind of my cheat code is to. To get a a rap song that's relatively slow, so Snoop Dogg kind of fits that because you're just kind of talking because you get everyone to sing along. You don't have to hit any notes, and you're just kind of talking up there. So it's a really good uh, note for anyone that does karaoke. And this was my first CD. I don't know if it, it probably wasn't your first CD, but this was no. my first CD ever. Uh, for those that don't know, a CD is a little piece of metal <laughs> that you used to put into a, a thing that played music. You can only play about 12 songs at a time. And you had to have uh, anti shock on your. If you had anti shock on your on your portable CD player, that's how you knew you you were doing it right. Oh, uh, you could catch that in a lot of the songs of the DFS MVP Spotify playlist. Real quick, let you know what's coming up. Week seven plays GPP cash on the two main sites. Plus, uh, yeah, TJ wants to talk some game theory when it comes to price price a little bit tight. Uh, tighter pricing, I guess, is how we say it in English. So um, <laughs> adjusting to tight salaries is something we'll get into. Also, not too late, if you love the podcast and you want to actually read the stuff that TJ's putting out there, I highly recommend it because there's a lot behind the paywall. 25% off when you use our code DFSMVP. So there you go. Uh, how's the rating and reviewing in the T-shirt giveaway going? It's going good. The The ratings have been rolling in. A lot of positive feedback on the podcast uh been loving having you on here this year pat james crushed it during your bye week last week and uh this week uh bob Duldy, Duldy or Duldy, bob d-o-u-l-d-y call this his dfs cheat code uh he's gonna get a free four for four super soft super comfy t-shirt that we're giving away each week all you have to do to enter is go on itunes leave a five-star review uh and we'll put your name into the drawing so bob Duldy hit me up on twitter at TJ Hernandez, and I'll get you hooked up with the details for that T-shirt. And while you guys are on iTunes, I suggest that you look for our new app. Uh, we have an iPhone or an iPad app that helps you set the highest scoring lineup every week and helps you pick the highest scoring free agents for the week and for the rest of the season. It's free to download. You just have to search 4 for 4 or League Sync in the App Store. Existing Pro and DFS subs are to get full access to all of the app's features. If you haven't signed up yet, there's a free seven-day trial on the app, and you can upgrade to get full access, not just on the app, but on the website as well, straight from the app on your iPhone or iPad. All right, TJ, here's week seven. We got 10 games on the main slate. If you look at the early games right now, you talk about a garbage slate. I like (laughs) playing those one o'clock cash games. 
I mean, it's <laughs> I might not be playing just the one o'clock slate this week at cash, but it's ugly, man. There is a London game. There's five teams on a main slate with implied totals of at least 26. So, you know, the, you got a game at 58 and a half, I think, with Kansas City and Cincinnati that is not on the slate um, as well. So let's just dive into this here. Quarterback in cash games. I was doing a radio hit earlier in this week and somebody asked me about CJ Beathard. And I said, you know what? Go look at CJ Beathard's number. Put him down for 20 points at a standard league. Put him down for 20 points. Just throw. He's very consistent that way. You don't have to be a good real life quarterback. You have to work in a nice system. He works in a great system with Kyle Shanahan. He has a deep ball. He now has Goodwin healthy. CJ Beathard to me, 4,800 on DK, 6,400 on FanDuel. Is it a little risky? Yeah, because it's CJ Beathard, but I like it this week. Yeah, let, let's actually start there. Uh, it's it's interesting because you talked about the slate and a, a lot of the popular teams, popular quarterbacks, either uh, not on the main slate or uh, in, in not necessarily ideal matchups. And we only have 10 games on the main slate. So uh, that that's obviously going to, to shrink our options, shrink our player pool. And you talked about um, tighter player pricing, which we'll get into the details in the theory segment, but you, you're going to have to find with this tighter, with these tighter salaries, you're going to have to find places to save and quarterbacks are a really good place to do that because we know that quarterback scoring is generally uh, pretty flat we know from from redraft or season long leagues that streaming is a viable option so just by playing these these profitable matchups that we can uh, we can get some some pretty nice quarterback scoring from players that you might not necessarily want to to start uh, just on their name value alone but we have CJ uh, Beathard. Is it Beathard or Bethard? I'm the worst at, at name. Beathard. Okay. Remember Bobby Beathard if you're a yes. San Diego guy? Yeah. Bobby I'm, Beathard. I think he's part of the Beathard family. I'm trying just to butcher every name so I can get lots Do of Twitter it. comments. Go um, for it. Because they like that. But 4800 on DraftKings, $6,400 on FanDuel uh, versus the Rams. He's the only quarterback. Uh, this is why he really stood out to me. He's the only quarterback that we have projected as a top three value on both sites. Uh, and again, that has to do with him being priced down pretty low. But we also know that uh, opposing passing games have pretty high correlations. We're expecting the Rams to to score a lot in this one, and we don't just want volume from our quarterbacks, but in a high-scoring game where the opposite team does have a very efficient passing attack, uh, that sets up well for the underdog quarterback, which C.J. Beathard is this week. And the Rams, we, we expect them to have a good defense because they came into, into the season with uh, a really great secondary, a pretty uh, decent front seven, but they've had injuries that have really hampered them. And over the last uh, four games, They've allowed uh, they've allowed two three hundred yard passers. They've allowed multiple touchdowns in four straight games. And I, like you said, that that twenty point mark I think is one that Beathard could get to uh, relatively easy. Yeah, especially with the Rams secondary, they're just decimated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to, to leave the whole the, the secondary has not performed um, uh, very well because of the injury. So real quick, staying with uh, Beathard. Last week, we saw it with Marquise Goodwin just blowing up against the Packers. It was the first time that he's been healthy this year. I mean, this is a former Olympian. This is a guy that ran a 4-2-something 40, okay? And now that he's healthy, just to go off script here, what are your thoughts on Goodwin going forward? Because he's so cheap. He's 5,500 on FanDuel. Is he cash game viable? And would you feel comfortable having Beathard and Goodwin in the same lineup for cash? 
I I don't know that I'm excited about Goodwin and Cash just because I, I think he probably still has a, a relatively um, low target floor. He had five last week, which accounted mm-hmm. for 20% of the team targets. That uh, that That's his highest of the year. I, I don't like looking at this 49ers team. A lot of people I've seen uh, coming into this year have looked at their splits last year, looked at Beathard's splits, looked at Garoppolo's splits, but there were so many things that kind of coincided with that quarterback switch last year. Uh, Garcon went down. Uh, the, the Niners just started winning, which really threw off their passing passing uh, rate overall in general. So it, there were a lot of things that happened at one time that, that really mixed up these splits last year. So I'm, I'm hesitant to say that Goodwin was a Garoppolo guy. I think the team was just getting better, and Goodwin's a good receiver. Um, on, on FanDuel, where you're looking for touchdown equity a little bit more and you don't need that target floor as much, I'm I'm fine playing him for the salary saving options, and I think going forward he is going to be a very good play if we see that target share start to rise. This week in particular, there's probably a couple guys close to or cheaper than him that are a little more viable in terms of floor. No, I'm with you. I'm with you, and I think that and we are going to get to one of those guys that you already uh, put on there. But let's get to the other quarterback real quick, mm-hmm. Joe Flacco. I mean, if you haven't checked out the Ravens offense, they're not breaking any records, but he has been efficient. He has some weapons around him now. The question is which weapon is going to hit on which week, but uh, Joe Flacco at 6.6 on DK and 7,500 on FanDuel taking on a New Orleans team. I mean, New Orleans secondary has improved since getting shredded early in the season, but again, this is still Flacco at home, and it looks like a nice spot here for Joe Flacco. Yeah, I, I wrote down the wrong salary on um, on DraftKings. He's actually fifty four hundred, uh, so he, he's super affordable on um, both sites. That's that's my fault there. But uh, priced down and priced as the number two value on DraftKings um, uh, on 444.com. And that's just because he's in a great matchup against the Saints. They rank 31st in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. What we're looking for, I talked about, we're looking for that efficiency. Flacco hasn't been efficient, but the Saints have allowed the second most uh, fantasy points per attempt to opposing quarterbacks. So Baltimore throws at one of the highest neutral rates in the league, 66% of their plays in in one-score games. That's the fourth highest rate in the league. And we have an inflated point total here uh, with the Ravens, 26-point implied point total. And even though this this Ravens team, like you mentioned, they they have all of a sudden three weapons that they're kind of spreading it around to, uh, I, I think we just take the guy that's going to be tossing it to those weapons who is Flacco and avoid that running game because the saints have been very good against running backs. They're in the bottom 10 against quarterbacks, wide receivers and tight ends in terms of schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed, but they rank third against running backs. All right. So um, last thing here on the quarterbacks, you got Flacco, you got Bethard, any reason to really pay up in cash this week? It's tough because salaries are so tight, but you do have Jared Goff, who has been one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league, third in fantasy points per pass attempt, in a game where San Francisco ranks 27th in quarterback, schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. The Rams have the highest implied point total on the week. Uh, so he is a player that, given all of those things, he can win you cash games alone because of how potent the Rams' offense is. 
but it's going to be pretty tough, especially on DraftKings, to to not sacrifice the floor of your other starters if you pay up for quarterback this week. I mean, Goff is 6,600 on DraftKings, so uh, you're paying all the way up for him. All right, let's move on to the running back position now. So it's if you're just playing the main slates here, it's barren. Saquon mm-hmm. Barkley in a smash spot on Monday Night Football against the Falcons. He's not there. Connor's not there. Uh, Melvin's not there. And we need to talk about the Saints' backfield real quick, but mm-hmm. let's start with the obvious guy. Yes, Todd Gurley is 9.8K on DK. Yes, Todd Gurley is 10.2 on FanDuel. But you got to throw him in there, don't you? I mean, it's just book it. He is going to score. He's going to be right around 30 points. Yeah, to to use a, a a stand-up comedy term, it feels a little hacky to suggest Todd Gurley because he's he's been such an obvious play regardless of salary each week, but uh because of the of the players that you noted that aren't on the main slate or aren't available and the the tight pricing like you can't just pay up for multiple studs you have to pay up for the highest floor this week because like you mentioned no melvin no saquon no connor Saints back saints backfield's a big question mark and then even if we look at the other positions these reliable plays that we've been able to pay up for julio antonio odell aj green tyreek patrick mahomes none of those guys are on the main slate so where are you going to spend your money why not spend it on the guy that has the highest floor in the league, uh, that that ten thousand dollar price tag was one that we were a little worried about on DraftKings last week. This is why each week is different. He's still ninety eight hundred on DraftKings, over ten thousand dollars on FanDuel, but it's it's justified this week. You 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 can't afford him, um, even though pricing is tight. There just aren't these other studs that you're really excited to pay up for. He's he's going to maximize your floor of your lineup more than any other player on this slate. That ten k mark on FanDuel isn't prohibitive. Uh, like it is on DraftKings because salaries are a little bit looser. And despite that big price tag, we still have Gurley ranked as the top overall value on both sides on four for four, uh, which is, yeah, it's it's ridiculous that like you can't price him correctly right now. And I already talked about the Rams expected to have a, a big point total above 31 right now, favored by nine and a half. Uh, obviously, I don't think game script even matters for Gurley at this point, but it's worth noting. And then it's it's really funny because on on four for four, we we calculate a uh, specific cash game target for each player to come up with these values, to come up with our our cash odds. And it's it's based on salary, it's based on positional scarcity, and uh, it's based on on um, on historical performance and expectation of those positional salaries. So his cash target is 18 points on DraftKings. He's averaging no, I'm sorry, he's not averaging his lowest point total on DraftKings is 25 this year. So seven points over his cash game target to even justify his high price tag. He has scored in every single game this year. He has uh, two games where he has scored three times. I mean, this guy is just, and, and he's getting a job done in the passing game. He's he's the man. I mean, th- this to me is the most dominating start I've seen to a season since Ladanian Tomlinson was playing. And there have been some great backs since then. I mean, let's face it, you know, Le'Veon Bell had some great seasons. That David Johnson had a nice year, but I feel like, this is the most dominating fantasy back since Ladanian Thomas. Yeah, I, I don't know that you could even. I, I can't think of anyone besides LT. Uh, the, the closest would probably be 
Marshall Falk, uh, back when he was on on his run uh-huh. in in the same uniform, but uh, the Greatest Show on Turf. It's it's pretty ridiculous. I mean, he's like this is the reason that uh, third round reversal became a thing in redraft. Yeah, and do you remember when uh, Jeff Fisher was the head coach there and he stunk? Oh it, it wasn't Todd Gurley's fault, man. It wasn't <laughs> Todd Gurley's fault. Uh, you're going to need to save some money then with the tight pricing. Peyton Barber, um, there was some concern that Ronald Jones was going to steal some carries, but you know, Peyton Barber's a guy with the Bucks going up against the Cleveland Browns, and Barber's 3.8 on DK, 6,100 on FanDuel. What's your take on him? It it was pretty surprising going into last week because uh, before Tampa Bay's bye week, we saw Ronald Jones get the majority of the touches in the backfield, and I expected that Ronald Jones would be kind of like the tournament dart throw play because everybody was targeting Tampa Bay's uh, back. Uh, I'm sorry, pass catchers last week against the Falcons. Well, that touch share for Jones only lasted one week. I don't know what happened during the buy in Tampa Bay, but 81% of the backfield touches ended up going to Barber in that game last week. And now for the season, Barber's accounted for two-thirds of all backfield touches for the Buccaneers. There's only 10 other running backs in the league that have accounted for at least 66% of their team's backfield share. And now Barber, he saw season-high four targets last week, which isn't great, but it does give you uh, some encouragement that he's going to have a little bit of a higher floor than we might expect for a player on an offense that hasn't ran the ball well this year. And that that's obviously going to be the concern for people here is that Tampa Bay has their offensive line is blocked very poorly, which has led to to poor running back production. But when you have that big of a touch share as a home favorite, uh, especially on and we're going to get into this over and over again, when these tight salaries, when these salaries are this tight, you you have to find a place to save money. And it's going to force you to play some uh, players that you're not necessarily comfortable playing but for the for the dfs purists i think these are the most fun weeks uh because there's gonna be a lot of people that aren't going to want to do this just because it's it's not a sexy play at all but uh, again going back to another somewhat of a funnel defense here cleveland's first in quarterback afpa 16th against running backs so middling versus running backs but very good against the pass and if you're if you're price hunting uh barber's running back 33 on DraftKings, running back 20 on FanDuel, so a pretty big discount on DraftKings. So here's the question about the Saints' backfield because I actually I loved Mark Ingram coming back last week. Mm-hmm. You think Peyton, and this is you know more than anything else, this is just jumping on narratives and, and sure. guessing the right way, but Peyton wanted to get Mark Ingram going. Um, you saw the split between Kamara and Ingram last year, and the offense was good enough – to where they could both be top 10 you know, finishers uh, in points per game. Why wouldn't you fire up Kamara this week in cash? And you're really going to have to find a lot of value elsewhere, but why wouldn't you follow fire up Kamara this week, given that you know he could give you production close to Gurley and cost significantly less? Yeah, I, I, I can't fault anyone that wants to play Kamara in cash. We just, we have our most recent sample tells us that his floor is much uh, lower than it was with 
with Ingram sideline. And I think that should be obvious to most people. And, and we're looking for that floor. Uh, Baltimore ranks first in schedule adjusted fantasy points to running backs. New Orleans is a road dog. They're a team that has, they're, they're traditionally quite different um, on the road than they are at home. Uh, Baltimore's defense has, has played quite well. And I, I don't know that we're going to see Kamara approach 20 touches again this year. Now, do I think that it's going to be as extreme a split as we saw uh, last week on well, it was Thursday night football, right? Mm-hmm. I I I don't think so. Prob that sh- when in retrospect, it probably shouldn't have been surprising what we saw last week because the Saints were uh they they were kind of dominating that game. They were going into the week on a short week after a stretch of games where Camara was a workhorse and and Sean Payton was pretty ad- adamant this offseason that that's not what he wanted he doesn't want Kamara to be a 20 touchback so just the fact that they got ahead a little bit shouldn't be surprising that they gave Kamara a little bit of a break on a short week I, I think probably we get much closer to like the 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 55 45 split that we saw last year towards the end of the season in favor of Kamara and this is actually a week because New Orleans is an underdog because they're on the road and Kamara actually popped in, in Josh Herms Myers uh, air yards model, which is surprising for a running back because you don't often see that. Uh, but, but he still has actually been somewhat underperforming his, his receiving production. So I actually like him a lot as a tournament play this week. I, I'm probably going to be firing him up quite a bit, but we can't ignore the fact that his floor is significantly lower than it was two weeks ago. All right, so let's move on here to the – oh, I do want to add Jamal Charles is 3,000 on DraftKings. And <laughs> uh, he's, hold on, hold on. He's and he's also fifty one hundred on Fanduel. Mm-hmm. So if Fournette and Yeldon don't play, still don't play Jamal Charles. I mean, if if Yeldon doesn't play, you have to talk about it because Jaguars are five point home favorites, and it's just straight game theory. I I mean, I don't know who's gonna who else is gonna get touches. Uh, <laughs> That's, again, you know, they're hoping Fournette comes out and plays this week, but he's still sideline, and now you got Yeldon that's questionable for this game. Ugh. I, maybe you just, I mean, you're definitely avoiding in cash if it's Jamal Charles, but if you're throwing, if you're firing up some tournament lineups, $3,000, we're talking about tight pricing, 3000 on DK actually frees up a little salary for you. You're going to have to close your eyes and think about it, but it's it's not going to be exciting. I'm not going to close my eyes, and I'm not going to think about it. <laughs> wide receiver time, my man. You already talked about Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. How about the wide receivers he'll be throwing to? Robert Woods, 7K on DK, 7,700 FanDuel. Uh, Brandon Cooks, who is uh, 7,100 on DK, 7,500 on FanDuel. So F- FanDuel finally said, hey, uh, Woods is Woods is priced up a little bit more, and then Cooper Cup is out. Josh Reynolds, who's banged up, but if he does end up playing, is going to see a lot of snaps. Reynolds three point five on DK, fifty one hundred on Fanduel. What are your preferences in the Rams' uh, passing game for cash? I don't think the week is going to start out. Uh, you're not going going to see a lot of of Josh Reynolds probably in in Thursday uh lineups or or full slate games but I think by the time we get to Sunday and and all the industry articles and podcasts are out 
Reynolds is probably going to be a pretty popular play because the Rams do run a ton of three wide receiver sets. Goff has been uh, extremely successful in those three wide receiver sets, and you're getting Josh Reynolds at a very cheap price in a in a very explosive offense. But the problem with this is that unlike running back or even quarterback to to an extent, you don't necessarily see pass catchers sub in for a starter or a dominant player and automatically inherit that target share. And and the reason for that is because the running back, for the most part, that starter's going to be the one seeing the majority of touches. The quarterback, he's going to be the only one if he's subbing in for the starter, touching the ball and throwing the ball. With the pass catchers, there's just way more people to spread it to. And if you were already a backup behind three or four guys, then it's probably more likely that uh, that those other guys get a, a share of those inherited targets than all of them just going to say Josh Reynolds t- stepping in for uh, Cooper Cup in this in this case. So Josh Reynolds is a really great price saving option and. A lot of people are just going to look at that. We're going to get into this a little bit later. You can make a case that even if his floor is zero, it's worth playing. Especially this week, it's a little bit of a concern because we've seen good teams in the past just take a player and sacrifice him to a very good cornerback. And Richard Sherman has been playing very well this year, and he's stationary. He pretty much only lines up on one side of the field. I would not be surprised to see the Rams just put Josh Reynolds, especially since he is a little bit banged up, just throw him on Sherman's side of the field and let Cooks and Woods rotate between slot and and I believe it's the the left side of the of the offensive formation. Uh, now we get down to who do you like more, Woods or Cooks? Well, they're both top three values on the site. They're both probably going to see an uptick in targets because Cup is out. But Woods is clearly the safer target in my mind. Uh, he leads the team in targets. He's eighth in the league in market share of air yards. And like I said, he they're, they're going to rotate in the slot a little bit. But, I, but Woods has lined up more in the slot uh, than Cooks. And while San Francisco... Partly because of Richard Sherman, ranks ninth in wide receiver schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. They've allowed the seventh most fantasy points ter- per target to the slot. Uh, so, if you're looking for the the highest floor play, I think it's pretty clearly Woods here. Yeah, and there's there's other guys that you could, I guess, take shots on. I don't know if Cam Meredith is going to end up playing. Right now, he's questionable with a knee, but he has seen nine targets over the last two games. It's mm-hmm. not getting in the end zone, but you know, I'm looking on FanDuel right now at 4.9. I suppose that's a potential. That's another option if you needed to save $200, but I'm with you. I think by the end of the week, there's going to be a lot of Josh Reynolds talk. Um, then the question is, can you fit Gurley, Woods, and Reynolds or Gurley, Cooks, and Reynolds into your cash game, or is that just too many right. players from one team? Right. That that was another, that was another thing that um, as I was going through my initial builds this week was – I, how bad do, how bad do I want to force in a player like Robert Woods? And and if I do, assuming that Gurley's locked in, like you mentioned, you, you're, you're really um, increasing the risk and lowering the overall off floor of your lineup. No, no matter what offense it is, if you're, if you're playing three players from one team in an offense, you just have your, your floor 
is lower. I mean, there's Goff can get rolled up on in the first series of the game, and all of a sudden you're you're out three players. Uh, their their floor is all of a sudden extremely low because someone got hurt. Uh, so we have to bake that into our our projections and into our our floor, depending on what type of games we're playing and what type of player we are in terms of risk aversion. All right, rest of the wide receiver situation. Adam Thielen, who has been, uh, I mean, he's been a running back one at the wide receiver position. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the floor is in the twenties. That's where the floor is with this guy. And now he's priced up as a running back one, eight point six on DK, eight point seven on Fanduel. It's not easy to stick him in your your cash game lineups, but it is uh it's almost as automatic as if if Todd Gurley's going to get you if you're counting on him getting you 25 you're counting on Thielen getting you at least 20 yeah if you're if you're using a a lineup generator to build lineups and you're you're formulating your player pool you at least have to select Thielen as a player in your player pool because he's the only player uh, averaging over 13 targets per game. He's playing against a Jets defense that ranks 28th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. Thielen, his, you talked about his floor. His lowest point total this season is 19 DraftKings points. Uh, no other wide receiver is over 16 points in every single game. So his floor is, so far this year is th- more than three points higher than any other wide receiver in the league. And the Jets as a whole have been bad against wide receivers, but they've been especially susceptible to, uh, to slot receivers. And that's mostly been because Buster screen's been not good. And Thielen plays most of his, his uh, snaps in the slot. So uh, a bad defense and he has the best matchup on the field. And then Crabtree who finally awoke last week, a lot of criticism mm-hmm. of Michael Crabtree because the drops, he was the big free agent pickup there. You know, a lot of us uh, like John Brown too, I do wonder if this is kind of like getting into the Chargers conversation where which Williams do you pick, Tyrell or Mike? Well, Mm -hmm. which wide receiver are you picking now for Joe Flacco, who's in a nice spot? Is it Crabtree or Brown? The the thing that I look at last week is where did the ambiguity come from? And it came from Snead taking away Brown's targets. Snead led the team in targets and catches last week. And Brown only saw three targets. Brown hasn't reached 70% snap share since week three. So three straight weeks under 70% snap share. Two of those weeks uh, in the 50% range. While Crabtree, his his snaps were actually quite low last week as well. He still was up there in terms of targets. Now leads the team in targets by a pretty comfortable margin, averaging 9.2 targets per game. Uh, he he turned his one red zone target into a score last week. So even though it's by a small margin, now he leads the team in red zone targets. And if we look at the every wide receiver with at least 30 targets this season, Crabtree's top 15 in terms of target rate. So even though his, his snaps did fall a little bit, and Snead was actually the wide receiver that was on the field more than any of the wide receivers last week. Uh, Crabtree's target rate requires a, a, a lower snap share than Brown, who uh, now we, we have to worry about a little bit. So, and Crabtree's still priced uh, below Brown. I, I believe on both sides, definitely on DraftKings, on FanDuel, they're, they're priced pretty close to each other. All right. So there you go with the wide receiver position. We move over to the tight end position. Um, David Joku standing out to me because the workload continues to rise, especially with Baker Mayfield found the end zone last week. And he has a primo primo matchup against 
Tampa Bay, and he's 4.2 on DK, 5.7 on FanDuel, and, you know, I'm looking at Cash, man, and Joku is my guy. Yeah, he's he's fourth in the league in, in targets among tight ends, uh, but if you look at the guy that's third among tight ends, Eric Ebron, you're getting David Njoku at a $1,000 discount, more than $1,000 discount on on both sites. So we have him projected on four for four as a top four value at his position. We You want some exposure to the Cleveland offense this week because Tampa Bay is the only defense that ranks in the bottom 10 in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to every single skill position. Uh, they rank last in overall adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing offenses. So we, we should expect Cleveland to, to put up some kind of nice scoring number. And Joku has been the primary target or one of the primary targets uh, since Baker Mayfield took over last night. I believe it was last night. Evan Silva tweeted out uh, since Mayfield took over Joku has led the team in catches the first week targets the second week and then targets and catches last week. And a lot of that has come at the downfall of Landry, who has really been struggling with Mayfield in there. Uh, Silva was talking about how uh, those players in the slot, so much has to do with timing. Mayfield barely saw any first-team reps in preseason, so didn't get that rapport with, uh, with Jarvis Landry. And we've seen so many times these rookie quarterbacks come in to start uh, after a few games into the season, and they don't necessarily target the best receiver on the team they target the receiver that they're comfortable with and that's often the player that they got time to play with uh in the preseason so Jarvis Landry uh, uh floor a little bit lower than we would like here but like I said we want some exposure and, and punting tight end is a really good idea it's not a true punt he's he's priced up a little bit but definitely uh cheapish and where do you go to Ebron you go Ebron in tournaments I still feel like people are going to be on Ebron just because of the uh the sheer point volume that he's put up so far i i look at ebron similar to the way i look at thielen this week in terms of if i'm if i'm clicking on names in a lineup generator i'm clicking on ebron just because he he has that floor and i'm not clicking the lock button on him i want to see where these values fall uh what pricing looks like compared to other positions where can i save money where can i spend money at uh maybe can i can i save something like $600 on defense and get up to an Ebron, but you can't ignore the volume that he's offered. Basically a wide receiver one in terms of volume since Jack Doyle has been out and T Y Hilton looks like he's going to come back this week, but I I don't know that that's going to matter much because the, the Colts, they want to throw, they throw at the highest rate uh, pretty much in every situational um, uh, part of the game. And, in neutral game script in the red zone and inside the 10 yard line they're they're tops in the league in passing rate but the bills are uh top two against wide receivers and quarterbacks in terms of schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed so what does that leave them to do keep throwing to ebron uh fourth most red zone targets in the league the colts are favored by over a touchdown with an implied point total over 25 so when they do get it in close with this inflated point total uh Luck's probably going to be looking at Ebron. All right, then with the tight pricing, then I think it's going to come down to defense a lot. Where are you going to say? Mm-hmm. Now, the auto, you know, the default pick right now is the Colts. And mm-hmm. you know, the Colts have actually performed admirably defensively this year. And on top of that, they're taking on Derek Anderson. Now, I was really excited when it was Nathan Peterman because I, I <laughs> thought that, 
you know, that right away, minimum three interception game. But Derek Anderson has started four games since 2010. Uh, Derek Anderson is lucky to have a job, and now he's going out and starting against the Colts. I mean, weird things happen in the NFL. Maybe he has the greatest game ever, but this sets up as 75% ownership in cash games because the Colts are, it's so logical to just hit the button and leave them there. Yeah, I mean, Derek Anderson was was deep throating sleeves of of Pringles and and uh, Girl Scout Thin Mint cookies on Sunday, and now all of a sudden he's <laughs> he's starting this week. So that was graphic. Of, that was extremely <laughs> graphic. Regardless of what you think about him <laughs> over Peterman, uh, he he's going to be playing behind a, a Buffalo offensive line that's last in adjusted adjusted sack rate, a, a Buffalo offense that's last in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing defenses. And I mean Anderson. You you talked about Peterman's interceptions. Anderson has a career three point seven interception rate. If if we look at the entirety of last season, that would have ranked uh, fifth highest among all passers. So he hasn't been efficient himself, and now he's behind a a bad offensive line in a in a spot where he's going to be forced to throw as a seven and a half point underdog. Uh, I I don't necessarily think that Anderson is that much better than any quarterback that they were going to roll out anyways this week. Uh, but Colts are priced up a little bit easier to get to them on FanDuel where pricing's a little bit looser. They're the, they're the top value on FanDuel. Uh, that $3,300 price tag on, on DraftKings push pushes them pretty significantly down the, the value column. Uh, but I, I can't get mad at you if you want to pay from pay up from a, I don't know, a $2,500 defense you were looking at to that extra seven or $800 to get to the Colts. Well, $900 is the savings. If you go down to the lions and that makes a lot of sense too. Uh, and they're 3,800 on FanDuel. So you save about 300 on FanDuel uh, from the Colts, but this is a team getting pressure on the quarterback and everybody's oh Brock Oswald had a great game. He threw three touchdowns. He also threw two picks. I mean, put it down. He's going to throw interceptions. He's probably going to get sacked a lot. Um, the Lions now have a week to prepare for Brock Osweiler. I, I, it's still, it's still unconscionable. The guy threw three touchdowns last week, but the Lions are in a really nice spot too. I, I wanted to specifically talk about the Lions because they're they're affordable and show up relatively high on four for four's value reports on both sides. Now, there's quite a few teams that are values um, on either side but but known that really stand out to me on both sides lions at 2400 on DraftKings, which is really affordable 3800 on fanduel like you mentioned that 300 dollars can really make a difference when salaries are tight uh they actually jumped up ahead of two teams jumped ahead of the bears but now the lions rank first in football outsiders adjusted sack rate uh they are on the road but their favorites uh, and miami ranks 26 in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed two opposing defenses Brock Osweiler starting and I don't care what he did last week and some people are going to fade this matchup because of what he did last week but he's not a good quarterback as an underdog against a good pass rush I know Chicago has a good pass rush but the 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 clock's gonna strike midnight here pretty pretty quick on I guess what his one week Cinderella story yeah I, I don't know how a guy just uh, completely turns his career around in one off season. And, and let's not forget, he went four for, f- four for five, 35 yards and a touchdown against New England. So his numbers so far this season, four <laughs> touchdowns, two picks, 
Um, Detroit's going to go out there and have a full week to think about this, to, to study the tape. And I just have a really hard time thinking that Osweiler is anything more than like, if you play the free games on either side, just throwing Brock Osweiler as your quarterback, just to say that you did it. <laughs> and Detroit's coming off a bye too, I believe. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them throttle dolphins in this one. All right. So I want to let everybody know that's our cash GPP plays and fantasy football season rolls on. And we partnered up with DraftKings to bring you any of our four for four memberships for free. So all you got to do is go to 444.com backslash DraftKings. Follow the instructions. You'll get full access to our most accurate rankings, the lineup generator, optimal lineups, premium articles, and the other great features in our plan, all for 5 bucks. You can then enter into contests to potentially win more. We're super excited to bring you this deal. If you want access right now, go to 444.com backslash DraftKings. Follow the instructions. So... Now it's time to get into game theory. And you said, hold on. I want to talk about adjusting to tight salaries. I mean, you remember the first, what was it, three weeks of the season? It, there's guys, there's mid-priced running backs that you're plugging in there that are picking up, you know, 25 points. It, it, it was way too loose. I actually mm-hmm. enjoy the tighter salaries. I think it's it's the people that spend a little bit more time that really dig into some of the numbers that are going to have an advantage there. If you listen to this, you're already going to be ahead of the game. Let's do this here. Adjusting to tight salaries. Where do we start, TJ? Yeah, we've actually talked quite a bit on this podcast, especially the last couple of years, about what to do when salaries loosen up. And that's just because, in general, there, there hasn't been super sharp pricing on either side, um, but... If you're a DFS purist, this is the fun part. This takes us back to like the draft street days when you had to have true pump plays when you were when you were playing wide receiver fours just to make a lineup. Uh, it's not quite that tight on DraftKings. It's getting there, but uh, there there are going to be a lot of people that haven't put the time, haven't put the work, or just new that are really going to be scrambling because even if you, even if you're only six weeks into your DFS career you've you've already kind of been conditioned to to be able to to really stack up on these studs and um and and not have to think a whole bunch about where this value really comes from in DFS but uh before you even even get that far you need to understand what it means when salaries tighten up and basically what happens is it gives the advantage to the best players uh in the games because it really forces people to to focus on value and it it there's less overlap with, and all of that leads to to lower variance so lower variance ultimately maybe not in one week but if we had tight salaries over the course of the season you're going to see the best players win um by an even bigger margin than you would uh in in a situation or in a ecosystem with looser salaries just because that skill is so magnified when we see salaries like we do this week on on DraftKings so the the easiest way to adjust to that other than lineup construction is by adjusting your game selection and this is assuming that you have a track record of being profitable if you're you're taking the time to study this stuff throughout the week if you consider yourself in the top whatever number you need to be in to, to be consistently profitable top 30 percent top 25 percent of players then these are the weeks where you can play at the top end of your range in terms of your overall money in play and where you can play at the top end of your range uh in terms of cash games because it's you're you're, you're just not 
getting these super high variants, super high overlap lineups where you can just jam, jam in any studs and it's a, it's a pseudo pickup. It's, it's very precise as to how you build a profitable lineup when salaries are tight. And because of that, if, if you are someone that's adjusting your bankroll week to week, which in my opinion, you should be, if say you play anywhere between uh, 10 and 17%, depending on a, a multitude of factors, this kind of week is the week where I think you could play closer to that 17%. All right. So 17%. Very good. Uh, player pool. Where am I going with the with the player pool here? Because you only have 10 games this week, right? Mm-hmm. And it, sure. before we even get into that, that's I normally don't play much of the Thursday to Sunday or Thursday to Monday slates. I'll usually just throw in a tournament option for that. Mm-hmm. But with it this week, you do have access to Saquon Barkley. You do have access to Kareem Hunt. You got access to some really uh, big names, especially at running back there. So uh, how how invested are you in the Thursday slates, the games that start on Thursday and end either Sunday night or Monday? I, I'm I'm a little more interested this week because – all of a sudden we do have, uh, unlike I, I talked about Todd Gurley, where it you can almost lock him in because so many of these studs aren't on the main slate. If we zoom out to the Thursday to Monday slate, all of a sudden now you have all these players you want to play, but you still have these same constrictions on salary that you do because the salary cap doesn't change. Uh, the salaries are still the same for the other players on the main slate as they are on the Thursday to Monday slate. So now it it, it only magnifies more what I just talked about. All of a sudden, uh, it you really need to you, – you can't just pick the, the three best studs of the week. You have to really sit down and figure out – who can I afford to pay for and who's actually worth paying for? It's not like these weeks where um, if you play, say, Melvin Gordon and Todd Gurley, for example, if if one of them is, is okay, the other one can still bail out your lineup if, if they have a, a, a crazy Gurley three touchdown week or like Gordon last week. You're not, you don't have that luxury anymore. Uh, so if your stud busts, there's a good chance that your lineup's going to bust. Uh, so because all those other players that we didn't get to talk about are on this full slate. I'm, I'm pretty intrigued by it. And like you mentioned, only 10 games on the main slate. Um, it, it, it does kind of limit options uh, for some of the other players. So you, you're getting a really big player pool on a very tight salary. Uh, that is where uh, if you're someone that, that thinks they're very, very good at the game or have proven to be very profitable, you can have a, pretty big edge and in those games if if you're looking for for games to play uh i think it's a pretty good spot especially like on the thursday to 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 monday games where we've seen some smaller prize pools um which means smaller entries it's a pretty good week to take to take a shot if you're someone that's been thinking about dabbling in like say a hundred dollar tournament um but but you haven't really wanted to you're looking for a, a good time you're, you're looking for a lower variance now it's all about time time to see who has the best skill because these salaries are tight so if you can find these slightly higher price tournaments on this full slate uh with a few less entries than you you might be playing if you're taking your shot on the main slate i, I think that's a pretty good place to do it like a nice little well you want a single entry right 
Is that what we're sure, talking about? Sure. Here? If if you're or if you're if you're just thinking about going up in stakes at all, I, when these salaries are tighter, I think it's a good place to do it because of all the reasons I mentioned. Because there's so much there's so much emphasis on skill and value in these tight salary weeks that now if you've proven to be a a, a good player but you haven't wanted to stray too far from your bankroll limits, this is the time to do it. And yeah, ideally, uh, those like I said, those Thursday to to Monday contests. Unlike past years, the the total number of entries is lower. Uh, so if it is say whatever a hundred dollar single entry, it's it's slightly smaller field than on the main slate. Um, a bigger player pool to choose from, but you don't have to beat as many people. So that's a, that's a good spot to take a shot at higher stakes if you haven't if you've been thinking about doing that. All right, very good. So dip your toes in the water. This might be a good week to do that with that uh, with that bigger slate there. So, mm-hmm. have we got to the player pool yet? You know, it's, no, it's I, smaller. It's ten games. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not only only is it ten games, but when when the salaries are tighter and you can't throw in a bunch of studs, here here's what happens: if if you have weeks like we've had in the past, where you have all the Chiefs, all the Saints, all the Steelers available, and then you have three plays that are are pretty obvious values at, at the other positions you can roster three of those uh three of those studs in one lineup uh since we can't do that this this week you're just you're not going to have as many uh as much overlap uh because there aren't all those free squares and it's just not all of these these studs available to everybody and then with only 10 games uh just because salaries are tighter there, there isn't going to be super high variance among those lineups. Uh, you, you're most likely going to have a pretty unique lineup for the simple fact that most people are really struggling where to find value at. And like I mentioned with players um, like Bethard, like Peyton Barber, a lot of casual players are going to fade those values because they're just not comfortable playing players that they think are, are bad, not understanding that those bad players in real football are very valuable fantasy assets, especially when they're priced down. So without all of that overlap, you don't necessarily, you can have a smaller player pool uh, because you don't have to force diversification across your lineups. There's just going to be less overlap. So you're, you're going to go up against a lot of really different lineups. You don't have to um, hedge, so to speak, if you're someone that likes to play two or three cash lineups, but you, you would prefer to play one, this is a good week to do it. Um, if you're someone that bounces back and forth between number of slates, you can play a single slate this week. If you say you usually play full slate, main slate, and AM only slate, but you would prefer to only play one slate, this is a good week to do it. For the simple fact, like I said, there just aren't going, you're going to have a smaller player pool, and there aren't going to be, uh, a, a, there isn't going to be a ton of overlap in lineup. So you don't have to force the diverse, diversification that you might when you want exposure to, to 50 players. Say. All right. So let's talk about true plump, punt plays here. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, first of all, punt play selection. That to me is the most interesting thing. You know, there, you really don't see much punt play, uh, potential at the running back position not on the mm-hmm. main slate the wide receiver we talked about josh reynolds i mean i'm gonna look deeper into cam meredith especially if he plays but you know that's just a couple of guys that i don't see going off you know just having monster games and mm-hmm. you're gonna have to pick up the salary elsewhere so 
how are you picking your players that you're going to use for punts? And then when you do that, is that just because you're going to go girly and to, to squeeze him in, you have to spend less money somewhere else? Yeah. So that, that exact uh, thing that you just said is, is why um, there is an increased skill advantage because in these last couple seasons um, and, and especially early in this season, players have become so conditioned to have a lineup full of players that have the potential to go off. But again, go back to those early DFS draft street days. You didn't have that luxury. You, you basically just had to take a cheap floor play that could get you something. Uh, Maybe that's a wide receiver three who's averaging five targets a game. But if we don't have these very obvious free squares, that is the sacrifice that you have to make. And the reason people are uncomfortable with that is because if you roster whoever it might be, say it is your Cam Meredith this week and they think his ceiling is only 10 to 12 points, that can be very valuable if you're getting him at an extreme discount because when salaries are such that they are, you can actually get a higher floor by rostering someone who is very, very cheap but has a floor of, even if his floor is zero, you might have a higher floor lineup by pairing that player with Gurley than pairing two middling players. So let's go back to what I said with, with Gurley in terms of his floor this year. He's averaging 25, uh, he's averaging, or I'm sorry, his floor is 25 DraftKings points per game. So if you're between rostering Gurley and a $3,500 wide receiver is your wide receiver three, whose floor is zero, your floor between them is still 25 points, which is Gurley's. You can very easily jump up because you don't want to play that floor uh, play at wide receiver with a zero floor. You can very easily jump up a couple thousand dollars, drop down from Gurley to a cheaper running back, and now all of a sudden, sure, you have a wide receiver three that has a higher ceiling, has a higher floor, but now you have two players whose floor is maybe 10 points. So you have a you have a floor between those two players of only 20 points, whereas that zero floor play still gave you a 25-point floor between him and Gurley. So I, I hope that makes sense, but it's 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 something that I think people that are new to DFS have a very big problem wrapping their head around just because that true scrub makes your lineup look so ugly. I saw it in a in a qualifier that I played in last week. The person that took down the qualifier, they played Kiki Kute and Maurice Harris uh, from the Redskins. Both were very, very cheap plays. Neither of them exceeded six points, but those very cheap plays allowed you to get to these ceiling studs that let you run past the field still. Mm. I mean, it's fascinating. The the other thing, the more, you know, the more time goes on, the more I just notice it really is a puzzle. And yeah. You basically, in order to take down a tournament, you're you're basically gonna need to have the top two scores on your team, and and I think Fanduel, where it's so touchdown dependent, you can kind of narrow it down. You need the mm-hmm. top two scoring running backs, which is which to to me. And there's probably numbers, so you don't have to have that all the time. But I continually see my scores going up. You see, you you go back, you look at some of the winners. I mean, that's why it's so important to get Gurley in there. Sure. And it's really important to figure out who the number two guy is. I mean, if you're playing the Thursday to Monday slate, who's the number two guy? Is it Gordon? Is it Kamara? Is it Barkley? Is it somebody else? You need to figure out how to get the, the two strongest guys in there 
in my estimation, and it's the puzzle. And that's why so many putting in so many lineups works. And then single entry, I mean, I suppose you could do single entry. You could come up with 20 different lineups and just throw them into, throw one each into a single entry tournament and hope that you take it down. But man, that to me is the funnest part of it is trying to put the puzzle pieces together. And it's funny you mentioned Fandle specifically and, and the top running backs um, because wide receivers in theory have a higher ceiling. But what we've seen on Fandle this week, we're now six for six in terms of running backs in the flex position and winning lineups in the Sunday Million, the biggest tournament, the main event each week. Uh, and we kind of predicted that going into the season because because of the scoring system, because it's so um, touchdown dependent, and and because those wide receivers just don't have the ceiling without the the hundred yard bonus, without the the full PPR scoring that DraftKings does. Uh, whereas DraftKings, the millionaire winners have been fifty fifty this year, three running backs, three wide receivers in the flex. So uh, yeah, even more so on Fanduel, like you said, those running backs are 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 gaining importance in tournament. All right, come on, um, squeeze these last two points together. Get back to basics. Look for unique lineup construction. What are these last two pieces of the puzzle here as we try and um, throw in some good lineups with tight pricing? We've just had a lot of leeway in terms of what we can do with our lineups uh, with loose salaries that that we've seen so far this year. So even uh, if you do pay up for a Julio Jones or an Adam Thielen. You haven't been losing much in terms of floor of your lineup because you can still afford to throw in a Melvin Gordon or a, a, a Todd Gurley or an Alvin Kamara. When salaries are, are tight, it's going to be really hard to throw multiple uh, expensive players together. And if you do get back to basics, we should be paying for our most predictable positions with the highest floor, and and, and that's running back and wide receivers they're high volatile because even the most consistent receivers, it, Adam Thielen, if he's averaging um, 13 targets per game. If he's if he's catching uh, 65% of his passes, um, that's still only what's two-thirds of, of – that's what, eight catches a game, only touching the ball eight times a game compared to running backs that are getting 20 touches. So they're, they're fantasy scoring relative to running backs, the pass catchers, whether it be expensive tight end, expensive wide receiver – uh, it, it's just not going to match that of running backs. And I, I think probably people have co- become a little bit numb to that because they've been able to be bailed out by having multiple studs at once. But uh, if if things go like I think we uh, are going to go this week on DraftKings, you're going to be surprised at how low some of the scores are. And that's going to be because we're going to see a really big percentage of the player pool not adjusting for these tight salaries, still trying to force in their favorite plays, even if they aren't at high floor positions. You're going to see some really ugly lineups this week, um, and <laughs> you are. It's, it's just it's it's inevitable, and um, it's kind of to a lesser extent. Like if you are looking for those studs, understanding that value comes from things like price drops. It's something we haven't had to think much about this year, but are our players seeing their price unjustly fall compared to either last week or just traditionally what has their price been in the past? What has their price been since the beginning of the season? If it's dropped $500 to compared to what it should be or what it has been, uh, but they're still seeing the volume that right there is, is an obvious uh, player um, to pay for. And, and the final thing that you talked about was, was the unique lineup constructions. Again, when 
when salaries are loose, people can can pretty much do whatever they want. So it, it's not hard to pay up for a quarterback. It's not hard to pay up for a tight end. Not hard to pay up for a defense. Sure, you're going to sacrifice here or there, but people can can pretty much build any type of lineup that they want because salaries allow them to do so. So you're going to see uh, you're going to see a pretty even amount of of lineups that are star scrubs that are that are down the middle that are game stacks that are team stacks uh, with these tight salaries it's going to be more prohibitive you're not going to be able to force any type of lineup that you want so you can start thinking about things that we've talked about in the past like unique lineup constructions for gpps so if the if if it's a week where the 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 most obvious play is to pay down for a peyton barber pay up for a running back uh and and that's pretty much what everybody's doing well you might want to make a couple lineups where you just roster two running backs price in the middle tier now is that optimal this week i'm i don't know but i'm just using that as an example of a way to think about making unique unique lineup constructions if it's really impossible to pay up for quarterback you might want to make a few lineups with expensive quarterback because that's just going to lead to a unique lineup regardless of which players they are uh one last thing before we go i just want to throw a, a shout out to you for throwing latavius murray in there in your um, I believe it was your GPP pool last week. And Latavius has been such a disaster. <laughs> and Dalvin Cook, it went back and forth whether or not he was playing. And he ended up not playing and Latavius paid off. So that was a very good call by you. Solid. Yeah, record. I mean, and that kind of ties back into what we just talked about, right? Get back to get back to the basics of, of DFS. If If a player like a running back is going to start, if they're on a favorite and they're in a spot where they should see increased volume – those are the DFS basics. Those are the things that a lot of people haven't had to think about because we've been able to play so many studs uh, at our leisure lately. Um, but but plays like that, if if we're a month into the season of of salaries like they are right now, or if we're back in the draft street days, um, that's a no brainer cash game play. All of a sudden, it's it's lucky to be calling it a GPP play. So things have shifted a lot in DFS lately, but this week is is going to look different than what a lot of people have seen if they're new to dfs all right this was a lot of fun this week i hope uh you guys have luck out there and ladies i, I do know a couple of ladies that listen to this too they are big into dfs uh want to remind you 25 percent off code if you go to four for com and sign up for our uh, dfs content tj leading the way on that dfs mvp is the promo code there and then again tj tell them about the rate and review t-shirt giveaway yeah, my favorite T-shirts are the 4 for 4 T-shirts because they're so soft and so comfortable and they, they look good. Uh, so if you like us, or even if you don't like us, if you just want a free T-shirt, go on iTunes, leave five-star rating, give us a nice review, and we're automatically going to enter your name to have one of those free T-shirts. Uh, give the details of that at the beginning of, of every podcast. And if you feel so inclined, follow us on Twitter. Uh, Holden is at uh, Holden Radio. You can find me on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. And we'll be back for week eight. And who's that? T is I and I am him. Slim with the tilted brim. What's your name?